Welcome back to the Midnight Terrors podcast. I am your co-host today, Kevin or Bucky, here with Diamond slash Jason. Jason, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? I am good. And what is our show called? It's called the Midnight Terrors podcast. Terrors podcast. I like that. <laughs> terrors podcast. Terrors. Not terrors podcast. Terrors. There we go. Terrors. <laughs> like I a love roar. it. Uh, Jason, it's good to be back tonight. Uh, I know we just recorded last week, but it feels like it's a lot longer for some reason. We've all just been so busy it this is, summer. I know. It feels like it's always like 10 years but between <laughs> recordings. But yeah, I know. We're, we're back and we're doing our thing. We are. But our last episode was fun. We had Mr. and Mrs. J on to talk about some cabin fever. Yes, good episode. Which, uh, which came out a little bit later just because I came back from vacation and have been so wiped. But it's out and it's a fun one. Uh, and we're back How at dare it again. You, sir. I know, I know. Well, you know what's funny is actually I posted on our story that the episode was going to be late. And I said, rest assured, it's a good one. It's one of mine and Jason's favorites. And James came back and messaged me and said, it better not be Devil's Rejects. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, we're saving that for you, buddy. We got you. <laughs> but uh, they just they just like to fuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> Who, James? I don't know what it is. I just have a fuckable face, I guess, where they just want to fuck with me nonstop, but it's okay. Who's they? <laughs> the boys, because you said it was, uh, you said it was James that said it? Yeah, from I Was a Teenage Film Snob. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I misheard. I was thinking. Oh, did you think um, it was Marcus it was and our, Luke? <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, because they're the ones that are always fucking with me. So. Well, anyways, I, all right. Well, well James, I, fuck but, you too. <laughs> no, he was he was hoping we didn't do Devil's Rejects because no, he still I wants know. to be on that part yeah, of the episode. He still wants to be yeah, a part I, of that episode. By the way, the clip I'm going to yeah. take out of context for this is I just have a fuckable face. <laughs> so that's that's the quote that's going on a shirt. But anyway, Jason, it's good to be back. We have a great episode going on for this one and we'd like to welcome a special guest someone i've been very excited to get on the show i met this gentleman at atomicon he is the film festival director for atomicon as well as well as a local filmmaker i would like to welcome to the show michael whaley hello my friend how are you good how are you guys good 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 <laughs> i guess uh, that's jason's uh cheerleading right there <laughs> <laughs> but uh woo, woo, the crowd goes wild <laughs> but uh oh, Mike... <laughs> oh beautiful uh copyright jason come on now <laughs> but uh <laughs> michael no it's uh it's good to have you on we've been talking about doing this for like three months now since basically since Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then uh after uh the connection with uh mr michael smallwood on here we really got to talk in and we locked in a date shortly thereafter so i'm glad to have you on thanks i'm happy to be here loves me some horror movies yes sir movies yes sir <laughs> <laughs> yep as a filmmaker your uh your love for movies shines through for sure and uh definitely your love of horror movies you got some some clever writing in there and some clever directing so i'm i'm excited and honored to have you on here oh thanks glad to be here <laughs> Well, we're going to throw the golden question your way that we throw to all of our new guests. And Jason will uh, piggyback off of my question with his signature one. So we always ask our new guests, 
what was your intro to horror? What got you into the genre? And throw it to Jason for his signature question. And which one fucked you up? All right. My intro to horror was probably, hmm, I don't know. I, it's something that I wouldn't consider horror now, but the first thing that really scared me, I had a, when I was a young kid, like I didn't actually get into horror till I was like late teens, because when I was a young kid, scary music just really fucked me up. And the first thing that I remember, scary music to me, fucking me up. It's one of my favorite movies now. But I went to the theater, and it was one of the first movies I ever saw in the theater was Beetlejuice. Ah, and oh, Tim wow. Burton's okay. score for the beginning of Beetlejuice, my mom had to take me out of the theater crying and then bring me back in after the opening. Then I loved the movie, but that <laughs> opening music for Beetlejuice scared the shit out of me as a child. And ever after that, for my next 10 years of my life, anytime scary music would come on, I'd like I need to mute it or turn it down. I like you could show someone killing someone and I would be fine, but if the music was scary, I was scared. And so that's that that was my I guess that's really my first real memory of that. And uh, and, well, and thank it, you, it Mr. Up for a while. Thank you, Mr. Elfman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Elfman. Uh, he, he writes some amazing stuff, but uh, he uh, he definitely he get, started me on a path of just thinking if it movie if scary music. I'm something's going to be scary happening and I've got to get out of there is was my thought process from my, from when I was like, you know, five to 15. And then, so and I just didn't really watch horror movies. And then, uh, and then I started on a path after that. And when I got late teens and was like, Oh, okay. I love these the music. doesn't bother <laughs> me more. It makes it more beautiful. That's so. amazing. That's a, that's a, a very cool perspective. We, on our one year anniversary episode, we had uh, our regular guest uh, co-host, Mr. J on, and he, we took some questions from our listeners mm -hmm. and Mr. J threw us a question, which was basically a this or that. Would you rather have John Carpenter directing or John Carpenter music? And it was <laughs> exactly. I, and... I almost, uh, I don't like that's, that's a coin flip. Yeah. Like that's exactly. a 50, 50. That's like, there's nothing more 50-50 than that, I think. Well, because you I think about it, you're like, okay, so you take like Halloween, for example, and you got the directing and the look of the film and the way it's shot and everything. But does it have the same, you have to do a what if scenario in your head, does it have the same effect if you take away the music from the movie? <sighs> oh, and that's like, tough. Yeah, so it's like, we don't, we haven't touched on that too much on the show. I would almost like to do an episode on, on the show one of these days about like our favorite scores for horror movies yeah. because like i'm thinking now of so many themes uh because i listen to horror scores all the time oh okay um and just scores in general like the older i get the more appreciation i have for like you know classic music and and scores for movies yeah and like i'm just thinking of like how many scores make a movie and how many horror scores make that movie scarier yeah well music's so important to to film it's 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 so important and like it's one of the things that helps bring horror to horror but it also comedy to comedy drama to drama and all of the everything in between but yeah no it's like movies wouldn't be the same like just because i've been in editing process on films of mine before and mm -hmm. like oh this is you know this is cool and like that but it doesn't like there's no feeling to it it br helps bring the emotion and helps you tell you what emotion you should be feeling 
that's at true. the time, and it's uh, it's so super important. Yeah, that's so true. And uh, well, Jason, and it's it's funny. Go ahead, Kev. Oh. oh, I was just gonna say. Uh, case in point, we had our mutual friend uh, Charlie Kaufman on uh, a few weeks back to talk about Jaws. And what is Jaws? Uh, what is Jaws without the John Williams theme song? <laughs> you know, a broken down shark. And, yeah. uh... <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Uh, that's, Jason... that's what it is. <laughs> so true. Uh, Jason, what were you going to say? Well, I, I was. I was saying that I was <laughs> uh, impressed because I didn't know. I grew up watching. You know, we're no strangers on this show. That I love Batman. Um, and I did not realize that the score that Danny Elfman did for the 89 Batman was the same score that was used for the Batman animated series. Oh, I don't know that I knew that either. Yeah, no, I never yeah. noticed that. Yeah, it was, it was, huh. yeah. That's cool. So if you watch, yeah, if you watch the 89 Batman um, the score that was used for the animated series, because I, I was just watching it, um, you know, maybe like a year ago. And I was just watching the credits just because it was just kind of rolling through the credits after an episode. And it was like Danny Elfman score. <laughs> and I was like, well, hell yeah, score. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, well, the other thing I was going to bring up, too, was you were talking about you wouldn't really consider Beetlejuice a horror movie these days. I almost consider like we touched on this when we did our episode on Sleepy Hollow, like maybe a month ago. Mm -hmm. Tim Burton's a difficult one, right? Because he's got a lot of horror elements in there, but they're never yeah. really like full fledged horror movies outside of maybe Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. You know, like even maybe Sweeney Todd is is in there in some ways, but it's also yeah. a musical. It's also a musical, uh, just like a dark, you know, like not. Yeah, it's it's it's. I would consider Beetlejuice horror comedy, yeah. more comedy than horror. But like, I mean, it's got some fucked up shit in it, and you know, people are dying. So like, <laughs> but it doesn't try to scare you like a yeah. horror movie can. But that doesn't mean. It, I just think it's a different. It's on the different scale in the horror movie scale of yeah. of what what it would be, but like, like I said, it's one of my favorites. Sure, uh, sure. But, well, uh, and my my kids my kids are like eight years old, um, and it's since they were six, maybe five, you know, they would watch Beetlejuice and just crack up and loved every second of it. Well, how they so, made an awesome animated series, you know? Oh my god, the cartoon was well, so yeah. good, dude. <laughs> So like, so after after Beetlejuice, after you got past that initial initial scare with the music, when you started that journey around, you said around fifteen years old. What were some of the what were some of the horror movies that you were like, oh wait, I actually love this. Huh. I know that's it's a, a loaded. Weird, I know that's a loaded it's question. A blank, so it's a weird time. blank time <laughs> in my movie watching. That was right around the time that I was like, I'm too old for kids' movies, not realizing <laughs> that I'm going to love kids' movies my entire life. Hell yeah. But like, there was a five-year gap there when I was like, I'm I'm a grown-up. And and <laughs> I didn't watch like awesome things. There was some Disney stuff I missed and everything like that. But sure. man, I'm trying to think what really got me. Here's the thing. I, I, I don't know that I actually really started the journey around 15, but I would watch horror then. Sure. 
but it i think i didn't, i don't think i really got into horror till probably my mid-20s okay like when i was actually like i like horror i want to and i was looking out for it and sure. i think i'm trying to remember i've got a weird photographic memory sometimes so i'm trying to picture <laughs> the shelves at blockbuster what i was going through and watching and oh man i think i think I think when I was in my teenagers, the first thing I really remember seeing would be the original Friday the 13th. I think my my older stepsister at the time, we had a copy on VHS. And when I went to my dad's, we'd watch that when <laughs> we were home alone on the weekends and stuff like that. So I, I remember watching that old bunch and enjoying it. And, you know, <laughs> Friday the 13th, it's fun. Uh, and then part, <laughs> I think that, and then we got in part two and stuff when I was late teens. But... I don't know. I'm I'm kind of blanking on what else really got me through that. Like, dude, part part two of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise is so underrated. Like, it's it's a good one. It, it has good. to me one of the scariest. Like, I don't want to call it a wide shot, but some scariest instances of something in the background that you're not fully paying attention to until it comes further into frame. And yeah. it's when the survivor girl is inside the house that Jason's mom's head is in. Yeah. And when she's looking around and the camera pans to the side, and then you see Jason in the distance running towards the house, but there's no music swell. It's just on screen. Like that actually gets a jump out of me whenever I watch it. Like wow, yeah. that scene is so scary. That is a good, that is a good moment from that movie. Yeah, um, you're talking. You're talking number two, right? Yeah, yeah that's that's the one yeah. where he has yeah, the yeah. Uh, the sack over his head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the fun the fun uh, sack. The fun um, sack. <laughs> I think then around that time, I went to a lot of the cliche things after Friday Thirteenth. I went. I did uh, it, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, and then I skipped the second one. But I saw the second one is fantastic. I actually saw the second one at Crimson Screen when Crimson Screen Horror Film Festival was in Charleston. Um, they oh, had nice. Mark Pat. They had Mark Patton as a guest of honor. Yes. And even though Mark Patton was supposed to watch the movie with us, his flight got delayed and he didn't get there until after. Like uh, my friend Sean, he when he got there, he had the Freddy um, claws, uh, mm -hmm. the blades and uh, the glove, and uh, it had broken and 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 on the plane or something like that. My friend Sean Crum uh, Sean Crumholtz, who's a special effects guy, he asked Sean, he's like, hey, can you take this and fix this? So Sean got to take them home and fix the fucking uh, original uh, Freddy Krueger glove <laughs> wow. uh, from part two. And That's it was amazing. Like, and, and Sean's daughters are huge fans, too. And he, they were like, he was like, look what daddy brought home. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Yeah. Cool. And he fixed it and brought it back to Mark Patton. It's great. That's so but, cool. Uh, it was so was there one that actually like again was there one that like kind of fucked you up or like you remember um, just scaring the living piss out of you or that you wouldn't watch by yourself now or um i'm trying to think the first thing that i wouldn't watch by myself that really did it i really my cuz i worked at blockbuster for so long and watched so many movies some are a blur sometimes i know things can sit with you but I'm trying to remember the last things that really fucked me up where I didn't, where I had problems. Like, like I didn't do that. I remember, was it, here's one that I don't know that everybody's remember seeing, but I ended up watching it 
with some friends and then they fell asleep and then i we were at my house they were downstairs on the couch but i had to go upstairs <laughs> and i refused to cut off any lights mm-hmm. up into my room because i was like <laughs> nah but it was um uh quarantine oh that's a good yeah. one that one was uh, that one was one that fucked with me a little bit for that and then more recently in the last seven or so years hereditary fucked with me yeah um, yes. like like I was like laying in bed, looking in the corners of my room, waiting for clicking, you know, <laughs> like, like just, I was like, Oh, that movie sat with me for a while. But um, I think the first one that really, and I still love, and you guys mentioned it. And I think Kevin, I, on, when I listened to Smallwoods, I think Kevin, you said you hadn't seen it. Um, Descent. Yes. Oh, that's, yeah. that's one that uh, Jason has recommended to me many, many, many times, as well as, other friends of ours in the podcast yeah. community have done that as well. It's definitely yeah. one that will make an appearance very soon and I'll be subjected to it's, soon. I was watching a TikTok earlier about this guy who has uh he has insane theories about he's like uh, the friend who has horror movie theories and like <laughs> one of them was about Saw is uh that's actually Kevin McAllister grown up and it ties it into a bunch uh, uh oh, in yeah, Saw. yeah yeah but uh, <laughs> there but he but the one he had about the descent, which I'm not going to go into, was like, holy shit, I didn't realize that was a conspiracy theory. Not a conspiracy, but a theory about that movie. I was like, it makes fucking perfect sense. And I never thought <laughs> about that movie like that, which makes me want to go back and watch it again. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, well, descent be, was one that... that- that, one, that one for me, um, just because I do not like, I'm severely claustrophobic. Ah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> that one for me, combining the claustrophobia with everything else that's going on in the movie, like it just it makes my skin crawl. <laughs> yeah, so it's hard. I, I'm, once, like, when I was I, younger and skinnier, I didn't have claustrophobia, but when I became a large person, I have more <laughs> of that in my head because I'm like, and watching the movie is like, oh, I can fit through there. It's a giant cave. And then when they have to suck, a skinny person has to suck in to get somewhere. I'm like, <laughs> if I suck in and get through there, I'm never getting out. Like, <laughs> like I, what, what, I was like, I'm never getting out of this cave. I don't think I want to do that. Well, <laughs> That's and funny. I, I still even see, I still even see like Discovery, like channel shows where they're like cave exploring and cavern, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And they're just kind of like crawling through these like tight spaces and I'm like, no, motherfucker, no. I'll pass. <laughs> Send it on a drone through there. Let me see the video. I'll be good with that. Yeah, awesome. I'm like, well, that's- yeah, I'm like, yeah, you guys can do that, but uh, there's no way that I'm even coming close to that. Another one that's similar to the descent that I saw after, which I don't think it's as good, but it's still fun, was the as above, so below. Oh yeah, the oh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, pa- the Paris uh, catacombs, Paris, uh, right? Catacombs, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's it's a it's a fun horror movie. Uh, yeah, there's some. Is. You mentioned two uh, rather fun and good uh, found footage movies, man, and that that genre gets shit on a lot nowadays. But there are so many good movies in there that just get thrown yeah. out, which is there. Such a well, bummer. well, Michael mentioned the one he's about to be in, and then her first movie, which I was going to uh, talk about, uh, Michelle Iantuano, who's a very good friend of mine. Um, her movie Live Scream, and then the sequel that they just did, Live Screamers. Uh, live streams a found footage horror movie, mm-hmm. um, and it's great. Um, and then um, one of the things, because I'm on the the film festival circuit with a lot of stuff, 
and like we're going to one of our favorite festivals, Genre Blast, uh, on Labor Day weekend every year. It's in Winchester, Virginia, but it's an Alamo Draft House, and they're doing that. And the hotels are in the same parking lot, so you drive up, you don't have to leave. You walk to the hotel, walk next door to the movie theater, spend all day at the movies, then walk back to your hotel room, go to sleep, and do that for four <laughs> days. It's oh, that's amazing. awesome. It's a multi-genre festival, but they have some amazing horror ones there. But one of my favorite movies is one, um, and I'm going to mess up the title because I oh, it, it's something similar to uh, a friend's movie title and a different friend of mine that has nothing to do with that movie. But uh, hold on, let me do it. But uh, I, I saw it for the first time at Genre, ba- Genre Blast, and it's, uh... oh man, I still should have looked this up first. <laughs> Um, it's got butterfly in the title, and I can't remember. Oh, that's gonna bother me. I'll I'll come back to that later. I'll send it to you later. I know this bad sure, sure. podcast, but um, <laughs> no worries. But it's it's a he created a in this movie the guy created a fictional boogeyman, but it's a mockumentary found footage style, or not? It's a fake. I say mockumentary that works. Um, found footage style, but like. Like in the in the documentaries filming, everybody knows about this thing about this trestle that if you keep your eyes open for a certain amount of time at midnight, and you do that, something like the shadow man infects you or some shit like that, and then people will kill themselves. And it's about it's 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 a take on that, but it is gorgeous movie. Um, unfortunately, the filmmaker passed away, so we don't have him to make anything else. But his movie is on Amazon Prime. Um. It's fantastic. It's one of Michelle's favorite movies too. We saw there, but there is so many good things on the indie festival circuit. Indie festival circuit that people just don't get to see, and yeah. and uh, that was one that I was very thankful that I got to see in a theater. That's awesome. <laughs> At a film festival, uh, but it's it was it, it was it's been listed on like big sites top found footage movies. This was about five yeah. years. This was pre pandemic, but uh, uh, it was uh, it was listed on that, but. It'll come to me eventually. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No, I I love seeing uh, indie movies on on the big screen. And whenever I go to horror conventions, if they have a like a film festival aspect to them, yeah. I will always try to make an appearance to see uh, some of the films. I remember watching. Uh, I think the film was called Beneath, which was almost like a uh, like a like a slenderman type film in uh oh, yeah in a set of caves which was super unsettling mm-hmm. um but like most recently uh skinnamarink did you get to see that one i did not i know of it but i did not get to watch it yet it's on the list there's a couple things recently that i haven't gotten to see yet, right but and that was um... yeah that that one was super super creepy jason did you watch that yet skinnamarink no i didn't i didn't get to that yet oh dude that much movie was made for $15,000 and it is so fucking scary that like I'm sitting there watching it at the Terrace Theater with like you know 10 people or something like that yeah and I was scared I was scared shitless during some of those scenes like they were so unsettling but like I don't know man like the found footage genre just has a lot of gems that just get thrown out and you know we just recently talked to the director, writer, and director of uh, of three very, very good ones, the Hell House LLC movies. Oh, yeah. Um, and those movies are fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, found footage, found footage fan. Remember the title. The movie's called Butterfly Kisses. 
I've actually heard that title around for some, from yeah. from somewhere. It's, it, well, it was a big on the. It was big on like it's been big on Prime, and it was like I said, it was huge on the festival circuit in like 2017, 2018. Yeah. Um. But uh, and the lead actor, uh, she's uh like she's going on to do some other things. Uh, she was there. I met her at the oh, nice. funny story that when I was walking into the theater, we happened to be walking near each other. We're going in, and then. Like, and we almost bumped into each other. And I was like, oh, sorry. She's like, oh, no big deal. And she goes in and I didn't see where this person sat. Then I watched <laughs> a short film, a short film, then watched this feature film. And most of the way through the movie, I'm like, where do I know this person from? Like, I know this lead <laughs> actor. And then when the movie was over, she got up and walked up front. I was like, oh, that was the person I bumped into in the hallway beforehand. I just happened to bump into the lead of the movie <laughs> when we were walking awesome. into the theater. But like for the first 30 minutes of the movie, I'm like, where do I know her from? Like, that's weird. <laughs> and it was because I bumped into her before. That's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. If you guys get a chance, that's a really, really good found footage movie. Like it'll make you jump quite a few times and it will, it'll, it'll fuck with your head a little. Um, awesome. And it was a, just a great, great thing. Super sad about the director, Eric Christopher Myers. Right. Uh, but uh, he uh, he made he made a great one that's still out there for people to see. So that's awesome. We'll have to Butterfly Kisses. We'll have to add that to our to our watch list and, well, and get I you on there we to talk about, about it with us. I thought we were talking about the Tim McGraw song, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's loosely based on that. <laughs> it is not beautiful. <laughs> the statements are not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. But yes, yeah, so, well, so, what what we are what we are let's doing go a little forward. Do what? I said, let's go a little forward. Oh, I thought you said, let's do a wheel forward. I was like, what are you talking about? Uh, anyway, said, let's go a little forward. <laughs> anyway, because so we're talking about a movie tonight. Oh, yeah, we are. Yes. We're talking about a bunch of movies, man. Come on now. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> so, Michael, again, it's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, you being the guest for this week's episode, you actually picked the movie for us tonight, which is The Frighteners from 1996 uh directed by the one and only peter jackson and starring michael j fox and we're excited to talk about it jason you want to i want to throw this to you for a second you want to give just a real quick uh overview of just what the movie is about as a short premise okay so basically the premise for the frighteners is that michael j fox is a paranormal investigator, or that's what he presents himself as, but he is able to see ghosts, and he has a couple of ghosts that are friends of his that he hangs out with every day, and what he does is he sends ghosts into people's houses uh, to basically make the house seem like it's haunted or there's a poltergeist or whatever. Um, and in the process, they will magically find J Fox's business card that he can exercise the house. And so he will come over and exercise the house. Um, so he's basically a con artist, but not at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's sending his friends who are ghosts in there, um, but at the same time, so he can make money. Um, and then it it just kind of goes from there. Um, yes. And I think that right off the bat, this concept is amazing. <laughs> um, 
I did just now happen to look down. I have, you know, just my notes open. And uh, according to uh, the like description of the movie, it was initially intended to be a spinoff movie for Tales from the Crypt. Oh, oh. Uh, okay. when uh, when so I guess initially Robert Zemeckis was going to was going to direct this and it was going to be a. Uh, one of those spin-off like Demon Knight type movies to Tales from the Crypt, which I actually could kind of see. Uh just yeah, watching the watching the movie. Um Well Zemeckis Zemeckis wrote it, correct? No, uh well Fran Walsh and Peter Jackson wrote it. Okay. But yeah, Zemeckis had his hand in it. He's a, yeah, he's, he's an executive producer on it. Correct, yeah. And it oh, looks like correct. looks gotcha, like gotcha, he kinda gotcha. Kind of tapped Peter Jackson to like to be the director because he was so impressed with like a rough cut of the movie. Um, so that's you know that's kind of the okay. the team we're looking at, and damn, that's a hell of a team, <laughs> you know. It is, it is, and this is this is pre Lord of the Rings, yep. like Peter Jackson, which um, I realized today in preparation to talk about this, I had never seen a Peter Jackson movie outside of Lord of the Rings and King Kong. Oh. Wow. I had never seen any of his like horror stuff uh, before. Cause I know he <laughs> was kind of, kind of another, he's kind of looked at as like another Sam Raimi kind of. A little bit. Yeah, basically. Yeah. His early stuff, um, which what, what was it? Living, living dead. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm getting to that real fast. Uh, dead alive dead alive yeah yeah and dead alive was was really gross and really gnarly dead alive came um, out in 92 and, and i actually okay. i remember that i saw that in someone's vhs some friend had it my mom wasn't home we put on for like 30 <laughs> minutes of it it was horrific in a good way like it was so fucked up and so bloody and then and then like my mom got home and we had to hide it and sneak it out of the house because I was I was twelve or thirteen. <laughs> yeah, it was. Like... It was it was a nasty movie. It was really weird. Um, still at the same time, pretty funny. Yeah. Um, you know, but it it definitely does not. Uh, it it doesn't reflect on his later filmmaking. Um, it's just kind of his early stuff. And the same thing with Sam Raimi. Like mm -hmm. Sam Raimi does Evil Dead and then we jump into Spider-Man and then we jump into, you know, everything else that Sam Raimi's done. Uh, well, Peter, you know, like Peter Jackson so went from Frighteners to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. From Frighteners <laughs> to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, but to, no, but to write the, the Frighteners is really interesting because it's kind of it's kind of like a a new wave ghostbusters it is i mean in well, Zemeckis was involved so yeah. uh, but uh, yeah, exactly well and that was the point yeah, yeah. uh I, I, I this movie like it is to me something it's similar to back to the future in the regard that i don't think it would work without michael j fox that's very true he's uh yeah. michael it, j there's fox just something about him for this part and he is Frank Bannister and I can't picture any other actor, no matter how talented they are, do what he did in this and play this part. No. So right, right out of the gate. So this was my, my first watch of the movie. I had, I had heard about it for 
years and years and years, but had never watched it. And right out of the gate, like one of my first thoughts was, damn it, I want to be Frank Bannister. Like this dude <laughs> is so much fun and such a badass. I mean, he's got a handgun that shoots holy water. <laughs> like he is such a badass character. It's a squirt gun, son. <laughs> it's a water gun. Um, and you know what's what's funny about this? Um, and I I told Bucky this before we even um got into the movie. Uh my Aunt Lynn, who's like my second mom, like I grew up with her, like she was just like my best friend, still is. Um, but she when I was like 12 years old, she showed me this movie and it was like, every time I went to my aunt's house, she, the first thing she would do, like when it was kind of like chill out time or whatever, she would put on the frighteners. Mm. And so I've seen it like 50 million times. <laughs> um, and, and I still find it hilarious now. Oh, yeah. I think it's, I think it's so good. And of course, at, at the time when it came out, I had no idea who Sid Haig was. Um, oh my God, yes. Yes. And you got Sid Haig in there. Um, you know, and which just Jason, uh, Michael, so a little bit of context. Before I watched this today, Jason and I were talking on the phone, and Jason was like, I was telling him, I was like, yeah, I really only know Michael J. Fox is in here. And I know that um, Jeffrey Combs is in here. And Jason yeah. said, all right, don't look at the cast. And I want to see if you catch somebody. And when we get introduced to the ghosts and we see um, the judge, uh, who is by far my favorite ghost, um, I was looking at it and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And I'm zoning in on his face and I'm like, he looks like Captain Spaulding. That can't be Sid Haig. <laughs> it's and not. Oh, it's that, not. The, the judge is not said, hey, the judge is a very famous person. Who is it? But it's not saying, hey, that's John. John Aston plays the judge who was Gomez in the 1960s Adams family. No shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm looking at I pulled up IMDb to, to double check because I looked at it last night, too, when I rewatched it. Yeah, because I because my wife, I knew, would know who Gomez was. But yeah, right. that's John Aston played the judge. Okay, that that makes sense because he does wait, have a very wait, 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 very wait, familiar wait, face. Wait. <laughs> I don't remember when you said that they look. Here's the thing: John Aston has a lot of makeup on. Sid Haig wouldn't have had to have a lot of makeup on to play that part. Well, '96 he may have. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Sid Haig fan. I've gone as Captain Spaulding like three times for Halloween. I with the bald head and the beard. <laughs> That's I amazing. I've actually uh, up, no, over to I'm... my side of I've got multiple things signed by Sid Haig behind me over here. Uh, so I'm a huge Sid Haig fan, but uh... wow, they had me fooled because that that actually did look a lot like Sid Haig. Yeah, um, so I was just making sure that he didn't have. I could a have sworn it was. Yeah, sorry to sorry to burst that uh, <laughs> bubble there, but I also don't want people listening to this and going, "Wait a minute, that wasn't fucking Sid Haig," and having all of us. Yeah, like, no, like, no, no, that's all right. That's all right. Well, that's all right. We'll embarrass ourselves. We'll put this as a blooper. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, but like I said, he's a very famous horror icon. Yeah. Like, it is like Sid Haig, so I can, there's a very much parallel there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and Sid Haig did a lot of other stuff, but no, he didn't do anything. He went 85, 85, 87, 88, sorry, I'm trying to get to the 90s. <laughs> 
Yeah, the only thing he did around the year when this came out was Jackie Brown. Oh, okay. He played Judge in Jackie Brown in 97. <laughs> Which, uh, Bucky refuses to watch Tarantino films. So. I don't refuse to watch Tarantino. I just haven't seen any. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, John Astin, uh, original Gomez from the 1960s TV show, The Adam Family, played. Uh, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Well, we'll maybe we'll put that as a blooper. Damn, we'll just, you're right. We'll let people laugh at us. It's fine. I am <laughs> very rarely wrong, but you are right, sir. <laughs> I just damn. like I said, I rewatched it last night because I mean I, I probably hadn't seen it in about six eight months, and I was like, you know what, I'm rewatch it one more time. And then when we were watching it, my wife was watching with me, and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot, and I pulled up IMDb like I must always do during a movie at some point, and if I've seen it before, and. I was like, "Oh, that's right, John Aston has played the judge." Because I was, I was like, yeah. "Like, hey, you know who that is?" And then I was like, "That's original Gomez." And <laughs> that's so cool. Well, the credit that did jump out at me at yep, the beginning sure of the is. movie, yeah, the credit that did jump out at me at the beginning of the movie was not one of the actors because this movie started and the music started playing, and I'm like, "Holy shit, this is a good score!" And then, like thirty seconds later, I have another note that said, "Ah, that's why it's so good. It's Danny Elfman." <laughs> yeah, of course. Dude, sure. does, dude does not know how to write a bad score. And like this, nope. the music in this movie is so fucking good. I absolutely good. loved it. And this opening uh, in the in the house with like what you assume is just the crazy, crazy mother going after somebody like I was instantly hooked, like when this movie started. Well, the effects yep. in that for a 1996 movie are still good. Yeah, like, absolutely. The the wall the the walls moving with the the, <laughs> the ghost in his life, that is still it looks good mm-hmm. like it, it, yeah they're yeah they're, they're not the most amazing things on the planet but I mean ninety six they are if it was today I'd be like oh this is could have been done better but yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly it's, yeah it's, but honestly it's... honestly watching this for the first time today yes they are noticeable but like they fit what we're watching like they fit the tone yeah. perfectly so they're not ruinous by being just a little dated you know yeah for sure yeah yeah but like and, and here's the thing. when i watched it when this came out and i think i watched this in 96 97 those were really good the only other really good special effects like that i think when jurassic park came out around there so we mm-hmm. had dinosaurs and then this so <laughs> <laughs> yeah go back to some 90s uh CGI. Uh, look, just look at the scorpion that comes out of uh, Scorpion's hand in Mortal Kombat '95. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Uh, but, yeah. but yeah, I was I was so hooked in, and when we get this first like haunting with um, what is it, Lucy and her and her husband? Uh, yeah, with the poltergeist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After it's, the, it's funny, man. It is yeah. very funny, and like when when uh, when her husband is she trying bride to bride, and I don't remember the other guy's name are great as the yeah. ghost. <laughs> when when her husband's trying to rationalize all the all the plates and stuff lying around, and like they're literally spinning around his head, and he's like, "There's got to be a rational explanation for all this." <laughs> then he just gets hit in the yeah. head with a dish. I was like, "This is amazing!" <laughs> like, yeah. for um, sure, he's he's actually probably one of the funniest parts of the movie. Like it just all of his his, his just, character is so not self aware. Yeah. Like, yes, and so he's, he's so he's so douchey. Very <laughs> like, much. He did a oh, great job the, playing that part. The actor he did, did uh, but uh, 
Yeah. Like when, even when he's trying to lie as a ghost, getting Frank to lie to his wife <laughs> about the money. He's like, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Like, it's just like, no, you aren't going to figure it out. <laughs> oh, dude. My favorite well, no, scene, my think... favorite scene in the movie with him is when they're at the restaurant, but we'll get to that yeah. when we, when we get there. But that was the scene that had me howling with laughter. <laughs> But yeah, so so basically, um, Frank comes over, Michael J. Fox comes over uh, to see if he can figure out this poltergeist or whatever. And it's it's already set up because he's got his ghost friends doing this poltergeist, you know, scenario for him. He's got his ghost friends making things fly around in the house and you know, everything like that. Um, and so <laughs> Frank has run his car into this couple's house and ruined their lawn and their fence, and Frank's broke. And so he has his ghost friends go over so that he can basically just kind of scam his way out of it. And so he goes into the house, and when he goes into the house uh, to kind of take out the poltergeist or whatever, uh, it it gets really funny. Yes. For sure. And again, I think this concept is awesome. Michael J. Fox uh, teaming up with ghosts to scam people out of money for for exercising them. Uh, yeah. I think I think it is uh, fantastic. And again, his character Frank is just so much fun. And like, just got has a ton of charisma, a ton of great lines. I mean, like you said, Michael, I don't, I don't think this movie would be nearly as good if we didn't have such a great like character that we were following. Yeah, I mean, there's other great people in this movie, like Jake Busey, who have always mm -hmm. loved yes. ever since Starship Troopers. Um, <laughs> yeah, then, yes, uh, that's where I first met him, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I know his dad, and then. Uh, <laughs> Gary Busey's great, crazy, but it was like, and his son's great. But then, yeah, so when Jake Busey's in this, then we've got great cameos by Arlie Ermey. And, uh, uh, and there's so many things. But yeah, Michael J. Fox is the, is the, is the leader of this, uh, <laughs> this film. <laughs> and just, just, you know, at least I, I don't think anybody else could play this part or would this movie wouldn't have been what it was. No. You know? And he, I mean, his dynamic with his ghost friends is amazing. <laughs> like, and like, again, the ghosts are CGI, but like, they're likable characters. And like, when they go into the second house and they're like, talking to the little kid and they're like, we're going to scare the bejesus out of your, <laughs> out of your parents. And the little kid just smiles and then they pick him up to make him so He's like, yep, he gets it. The kid gets it. <laughs> I was laughing way too... For being 30 years old, I was laughing way too hard at the one ghost trying to hand off the one kid because it pooped its pants. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, this one did a poo-poo. Take it away. Take it away. Like, again, this movie's just got such a fun atmosphere to it. You know, Jason called out Ghostbusters earlier, and, like, when this movie instantly began, like, this was 96. This was a year after Casper, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And like, I got vibes from Ghostbusters and Casper. So like this movie felt really nostalgic. Yeah. Um, sure. And well, like, they do, they do a really good job 
because the the first part of the movie, or I would say the first, you know, two acts of the movie, you know, are are very fun and you know, mm-hmm. likable and jokey. And then man, that third act, which we'll get to. Like it gets dark, bro. It does, it does get very well, they, dark. They, they raise the stakes like they should in a story like that. Like you know, it's 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 very well done. Uh, you know, writing wise to to bring that. You know, make the character you enjoy and you like and hate certain characters, and then then it tells the story and makes you care about what happens with them. <laughs> so well, yeah, they, exactly. They set up such a compelling mystery because we've got um, Patty or Patricia. That we're yeah. following, which it took me an hour into the movie to realize that that was D. Wallace. <laughs> like yep. she was like, I have never seen her with long hair before, so I did not pick up that it was her. I'm trying to remember what else that I've seen her that she had long hair though, because there was something else that uh, that she was in that I did, but I'll think about it later. No, it's all right. <laughs> but uh, I mean, they set up such a compelling mystery with like. You know, the guy that she fell in love with was, you know, a a criminal that was executed. And like, you just assume that she is, you know, like just under the thumb of of an abusive mother. Yeah. But her mother is kind of onto her as well, as we find out later with the twist at the end. And like, again, the movie just keeps you keeps you guessing. And then so like, as the movie goes on, we're realizing that people are they're blaming they're calling it a heart disease, but people are dropping from just a random heart condition where they're like, Oh, I got a weird pressure in my chest and I just collapse. And of course, later we see this, this grim reaper who's basically taking the life force of people away. Yep. Yeah. Um, Which again, well, CGI, but I love that grim reaper character. Oh yeah. Yeah, It's it's not bad. Like at all. Like it's, it was well done effects. And uh, I mean, Peter Jackson, they hadn't started the effects studio yet for right. uh, working with for Lord of the Rings, but that was the precursor <laughs> to it. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, no, I, I, the effects are the effects are all pretty good. I mean, I love the mirror. Uh, well, we haven't quite gotten there yet. I mean, we with the Grim Reapers going around, but like the bathroom, the the restaurant mm-hmm. scene. Yeah, you know the the bat the mirror with the with the Grim Reaper in that looks yep. great, especially when it goes back in and does the whole popping thing back on with the mirror like so liquid to solid again is yep. just uh, you know yeah can we i have a note in my phone can we talk about that for a second what is this restaurant that they're in this like medieval medieval it, it, time it type like restaurant. restaurant though this it looks like a restaurant but it also looks like like a medieval times at yeah, the same exactly. time but like, it's not they're, just they're, they're not like it's set up around like the pit with the horses and all <laughs> yeah. that going on, but at the same time, it seems like this medieval, like it's a medieval themed just restaurant. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm expecting Janine Garofalo to walk up and be like, <laughs> "What do you want, bro?" Like, <laughs> um, but here's the thing: this seemingly very small town, like Port Town. It also has a huge library, like almost New York style. <laughs> like yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. Like the police station looks like it holds five people. Yeah, but right. It has this huge library, this huge medieval restaurant, which got to be the only restaurant in town, right? 
Like it's, it's just, I mean, it's, one of those, it's, just like... it's just got a bunch of weird, and then it's got this insane asylum that's been closed down, or a hospital that's been closed down. Yeah, yeah like I'm like, this town doesn't look big enough to hold all three of those things. Plus, because it's a mountain town with the curves going through that that horrible road that, where the car yep. accidents happen, and like, I, I like where this town is doesn't make a lot of sense, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> no, it does not. But I just, as soon as they got to this restaurant and Lucy and Frank are hanging out, I'm like, what the fuck? What is this restaurant? Yeah. But like, it is a restaurant that I want to go to. Like, oh, it is sure. amazing. Um, And that led to, again, the scene that just had me crying my eyes out with laughter when, uh, when Lucy and Frank are talking and her husband, her deceased husband, Ray, is uh, is hanging out there. And he's yeah. trying to get Michael J. Fox to like tell her how much he loves her and all that stuff. And Michael J. Fox isn't giving it to her straight. And then she reveal the line that made me laugh out loud is she reveals that we didn't have what exact what would exactly be called a happy marriage. And he just goes, "You bitch." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like I was cr- I was dying laughing when he did that. It was just that there was a pause. And he just let it out like his yeah. him just bitching about stuff and getting into fights with Michael J. Fox was the best scene in the movie. My my yeah. favorite part of that scene, though, is the tail end of him leaving. If you notice when he waves, when he, he falls, the ghost yeah. falls out of the building <laughs> like they're not on the bottom story. His ghost falls <laughs> and you can kind of hear Ooh. Like that, yeah. he, he just walked out the side and then fell. Like that, yep. like, it, it's one of my favorite parts of that. That's very small and overlooked. Yeah, uh, yeah. He he falls when he walks off out through the wall there. Well, he also well, fell into the they... gravestone earlier at his own funeral, oh, yeah. which yeah. I was also laughing at because he's like, "Oh, oh, sweetheart, don't cry." And he goes to hug his wife, and he goes, "Oh shit!" And falls yeah, in the hole. Right in. <laughs> yeah, and he has to get Frank to pull him out. Yeah. Yep. Um, but no, um, one of the uh, one of the other uh, points that makes me laugh too is when he's actually at the funeral. He's like, he's like crying at his own funeral. Yeah. Yes. He's like, it's a goddamn tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No self awareness. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's the uh <laughs> it's the epitome of a narcissist yeah <laughs> yeah. For sure. yeah he's just like and that's why their marriage wasn't good <laughs> yeah well i love yeah. that he's like i love the weirdness of him being scared by his own corpse when he falls into his coffin he's like oh, oh yeah oh, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> he's get. he's like frank you gotta help me they're gonna bury me alive <laughs> oh like... and while we're talking about it while we're talking about the graveyard scene um <laughs> the the colonel oh my god yeah. yes. early ermy oh rest in peace so good. He's a, he was i don't know if you guys know much about him do you i well i i mean i know him from everything that i've ever seen you know well, from... he was he was a real drill sergeant who got right who they, they brought it into um what's the vincent d'onofrio crazy one um his first um, early yeah. ermy's first movie uh, full metal jacket full metal jacket thank you um yeah they he got brought in into filming on that because he was there whatchamacallit but the actor that was supposedly playing that part couldn't do it 
And he was like, and the director was like, do you want to try to do this? And he's like, sure. And he got in and played that part and was an asshole drill sergeant, which is what he was in the military. And yeah, that started I, I knew his, that he started his acting career. Yeah. And uh, which he played, he played a lot of funny things later in his, in life and stuff like that. But yeah, he his running the graveyard. It was just great. <laughs> yeah, just him, <laughs> um, him yeah. like yelling at all the ghosts to get back in their coffin and like, you know, bringing out machine guns and shit to to monitor the graveyard. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, what is actually Perfect. happening the, the, right now? The fight with Michael J. Fox is great. Like, <laughs> yes, it, it, yes. It's, it's... yeah, he's like, he's like, so disappear and pushes him, and then Michael J. Fox goes to punch him. It's just yeah. like it's just weird slapstick humor that is so fantastic, and like, sure. you well, know, and, you're talking and, about you're talking. You're... Go ahead, Jason. When Michael J. Fox is like going at him, the fact that he keeps changing forms, like he like he has boxing gloves at one point and then he puts up a shield and then he has a gun like he just keeps like changing stuff up and just like fucking with people. And it's so funny. Like his character is so good. Um, And everybody knows him as that drill sergeant character. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's the one that is like overseeing that graveyard and overseeing, <laughs> you know, all of all of the ghosts or whatever, or keeping the graveyard in line is is so funny. Yeah. Well, I also at one point, you know, looking at the characters in the small town, we get to meet the police department and I just go, is that Roger Pedactor from from Ace Ventura? And it is. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and all I kept thinking of was, "Oh yeah, the bitch." <laughs> oh, the bitch. Yeah. What? Pekingese, hyperactive. She was half dead when I found her. Is that <laughs> <Yeah>. the tank? <laughs> yeah, I just I love that that actor. But I was like, is that Roger Predactor from Ace Ventura? Yep. Um. Now, speaking of the townsfolk, can we talk about like? the weirdest performance in the movie from Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs that like he made some choices and ran with them. Uh, I mean, holy shit. He is dedicated to this weird fucking part. I love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. Oh, he's amazing, but it, but it is so weird. Like from the second he's introduced, what's his character's name? Dammers. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, Milton Dammers. Yes, yes. Yes. It just, it, 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 in the first scene, like he comes in and he's talking to the local cops <laughs> and they're, they're trying to interrogate, uh, what's Lucy? her name? Lucy. Yeah. And just him like kind of peeking around the corner. <laughs> like it's well, funny. The, well, the, I expected him to be the awkward dude just by the way he looked, but as soon as she started yelling at him, she's like, I don't know, it's late. I don't know these details. He's like, and just starts vomiting. I love it. I was like, I oh my it. God, love this it. is, that actually made me laugh out loud that he's like, sorry, I have a problem with women yelling. Yeah. yeah. I, I would love to, I would love to find out how much of that, just from an acting standpoint, how much of that was written and how much of that he just decided as a backstory and <laughs> Jackson was like, go with it. Yeah, you know, it's I'm, just like I, I would be, I'd be interested in w- wondering if I get a copy of the script and see what was actually written. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm guessing that that's a lot of like improv. 
improv. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily say improv. I would. I mean, I would say that. I mean, or it's just a lot his choices. But yeah, the way yeah, he it, chose to deliver the lines, and it just like the story, the his backstory in itself could lead to some improv. Like he may have said, he, it may have said in the script, like react badly to her yelling, and then he just made it up. Like I don't like women yelling at me. Like that could have probably that could have been improv in that situation, but the. Right. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm just really curious as how much of that because there was a, just a lot of choices and sometimes it could just be sometimes he's a fantastic actor who that's exactly what was written and he's playing it exactly what the director wanted and other times it was loosely written and they just, he said, have fun and just did yeah. that. <laughs> well, from what I've heard about well, Jeffrey just, Combs, just... I've, I've never seen uh, the reanimator movies, but I've seen like clips of them. Yeah. From what I understand about Jeffrey Combs, he's definitely a... Uh, like a like an actor type guy so yeah. it, it sounds like he probably just ran with it um and there's a lot of horror nods in here so it's possible that you know because like early on the poltergeist scene is straight out of poltergeist and then later on when uh when uh patty when patricia d wallace is uh is coming at lucy with a knife i mean that scene felt straight out of psycho so yeah. i'm like there's a lot of horror nods in here. I wonder if if uh, Jeffrey Combs was brought on board because of his Herbert West portrayal in uh, in the Reanimator movies. Maybe. Yeah, it's definitely. Well, I, I I think just his his portrayal. I, I mean, I would like to say that it was just a lot of improv. Mm -hmm. Um, that they just you know gave him here's the character. He's weird. He's <laughs> sketchy. He, you know, he doesn't like this. He doesn't like that. And just go. And so I would like to think that it's a bunch of that. Um, but he just does a fantastic job. Um, um, I would say, I think, and I'm going to have to find it. I would think I just on um, IMDb under Peter Jackson's thing. I think they did a documentary for this movie. Yeah, there is a 1998. It's a four hour and 29 minute long, The Making of the Frighteners. Holy shit. Wow. It's on IMDb. Yeah, it okay. looks. I'm going to have to. I'm definitely going to have to try to find that in something. Maybe we can all find it and have a follow up episode yeah. at some point later down the line. It might tell us how much Jeffrey Combs was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> only two years after the movie, too. That's crazy. Yeah. But it says it's four hours and 29 minutes long. Shit. That I mean, I would, I would like to know a lot about uh, Jeffrey Combs' performance and also uh, Jake Busey. Yeah. Like, because <laughs> his my... performance is very interesting. That, and was, that was my next note is uh, when we get to the reveal of, uh, of Johnny Bartlett, <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this guy is over the top. I love it. Yeah. Yes, for sure. He's great. Yeah. I, here's the thing. I love that one of the dynamics that I like in this is throughout the thing and not to get too far ahead in the story, but like that it seems in the way our, you know, patriarchal brains has been trained that like, oh, yeah, he was the bad guy. She was just going along with him. Correct. And it flips that. It's like, oh, no, they're both just crazy, but he would do whatever she wanted. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it was just like, oh, yes, that's it. And for a 1996 movie, that's kind of progressive for when it came out compared to oh, what they would sure, normally yeah. do with that. But I, I think that goes more towards Peter Jackson and uh, Fran Walsh. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, 
again, D. Wallace takes this very like backseat role for a lot of the movie. And then by the end, she's like, personally for me, she was the one I was more terrified of. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, for sure. When she gets a knife and a gun and is running at people, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah when she's when she's got that uh, flashlight mounted shotgun, shotgun yeah. and is rolling through the rolling through the asylum, yep. you know, trying to find everybody like she is she is that shit. Yeah. Which, um, I, which I gotta say, like watching this movie for a lot of it, there were points where I because I didn't look up at the what the MPAA rating was for this, so a lot of times I thought it was PG or PG thirteen. And then they would start dropping F-bombs and then like you'd see Patricia's mom be completely mutilated in the bed. I was yeah. like, oh, shit. Yep. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, wait, this is rated R. For sure. Um, Which uh, one of the uh, one of the lines that made me laugh is when uh, Lucy's trying to get um, Frank out of, you know, because he's been he's been booked and processed for. Uh, you know, basically being framed for murder by the Reaper. Yeah. And when she's trying to get him out and like they have like kind of a romantic moment, one of the ghosts comes in and then is standing there watching and goes, I'd be outside. This shit is like walking in on your parents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the nerdy guy is just like standing there. He's like, oh, sorry. And then he gets yanked out from the door. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The achievement bride is the, the, the one character, not the nerdy guy, the other ghost. Yes. But he, I think I'm trying to, oh, where did this go? What happened here? Um, I was trying to find on uh, IMDb. He's from something that I think I loved, and I'm just trying to verify real fast. Um, I believe he was on Married with Children. Okay. He worked at the shoe store with Al Bundy, I believe. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's, as I'm looking, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, John Aston it, unfortunately. Uh, uh, no, if you're if you're right, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where I know him from. I'm on his IMDb. Sorry, I've got to go back far enough. That's 90s and where's I'm very sure. Yeah, he played. Uh, yeah, he played. Oh uh, no, sorry. Yeah, he played Dexter. No, no, that maybe that isn't him. Holy shit! That only says one episode. That guy was on more than one episode. <laughs> maybe I'm mixing up my actors. What do I know <laughs> T. McBride from? He looked, he but looked he was really great. He was familiar, yes. No, he was, but yeah. fu- he was funny though. He, yeah, he did was, a good job. It was devastating when the when the Reaper killed the two buddy ghosts. I was like, oh man. Yeah, that's all right too because I was wrong about Sidig. So yeah. <laughs> um, that's gonna bother me if I don't figure out who it was. Right. <laughs> yeah, my ADHD brain is like, you oh, welcome, welcome to my world, man. You're <laughs> like, you need to know the answer. You got to tell people, <laughs> but uh. But I mean, you know, the plot goes on and, you know, like you said, Michael, we're we get the reveal that, uh, you know, we basically find out who the Reaper is, which is which is Johnny Bartlett. Um, And again, super over the top villain. Absolutely fantastic. Just a weird, maniacal laugh and so many facial expressions. Um, And he wants to be a great serial killer, wants to beat out all the other ones uh, Mm -hmm. and is keeping a body count and all. Uh, and yeah, I thought so. that was such a bizarre, like, insanely over-the-top reveal. <laughs> like, yeah. just how much joy he takes in, like, trying to be the best serial killer is, like, actually hilarious. Yeah, he yeah. even says, he even says, so, I mean, earlier in the movie, they talk about, because uh, Michael J. 
Michael J. Fox is um, supposed to have killed his wife, and he, quote unquote, got off for it mm-hmm. or got away with it. <laughs> but everybody, everybody around him and all the townsfolk and everything, they all were like, yeah, he did it. He did it. But he was never convicted of it. And she had a number carved into her head. And so as we go through the movie, you know, Michael J. Fox is seeing people having numbers carved in their head. And so what it is, is, is it's Johnny Bartlett before, well, as he was doing his killing spree. Yeah. His, his girlfriend was carving numbers into their heads just so they could you know, say how many kills they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Scorking. once, <laughs> yeah. And, and so once Bartlett came back as a spirit, he would be put into the numbers on people's heads. And so they got up to like, they got up to like 40, 45, something like 40, that. like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just but, um, just the fact that he's like one more. That's like one more than Bundy. Yeah, <laughs> like and, it, yeah. He's trying to outdo any other serial killers. Yeah, so he's talking. There's, there's, yeah. We just got above um, Dahmer, and then yeah, we got more <laughs> than Starkweather. Yeah, you know they're just trying to keep track of how many people they can kill because. It, Bartlett's looking to be the most notorious serial killer, even though he's dead. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we should we should note that uh, the part where the movie gets really insane around that same time is when uh, Frank needs to have a near-death experience to try to reconnect with the ghost. So he's going to go shoot himself in the head. <laughs> and then uh, Lucy yeah, says... About to. Lucy says, no, 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 which, by the way, I do love that. She's like, no, Frank, don't do it. He's like, just turn around, Lucy. Just walk the other way while he's about to blow a hole in his head. But she comes up with the idea that she's going to put him in the freezer and uh, basically give him hypothermia. Yeah, just uh, basically kill him for a couple of minutes and then bring him back. Which was very, very flatliners. Yeah. Yes. She is is a doctor, which they established early on. So, yep. (laughs) <laughs> yep. So she decides she's going to put him in the freezer um, <laughs> and bring him back at some point. Which is when uh, uh, so... Jeffrey Combs comes back to try to stop them when she's yeah. like, I'm I'm bringing him back to life at 11. And he's like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> like, it's just such a weird delivery every time he's on screen. Um, but it... well, I think I think one of my one of my favorite parts of the movie or the funniest part for me is <laughs> when he's got her in the back seat and he's jumping into the front of the cop car and he <laughs> reaches into his jacket and you think he's going to pull yes. out like a gun or something like that. But he pulls out like a <laughs> one of those donuts where you yeah, have like hemorrhoids, a, like a, yeah. a hemorrhoid like donut. Out... Yeah, he pulls out like a butt cushion for his chair. Yeah. <laughs> and then he sits down and he's like, eh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> the 
way you delivered that just now, Jason, sounded very Beavis and Butthead, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, that's I, that's what he does. He's like, ah. <laughs> I was just thinking of uh, Butthead. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> but yeah. That, oh, that that's... reminds me. There's a new season of Beavis and Butthead that I need to watch tonight. Well, we know um, what you'll anyway. be doing as soon as we sign off here. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, uh, and uh, what's the um, what's the song that they play in the car when he's driving her? Um, that wasn't. Uh, shoot, it's it's a weird mix. It's it's not. Um, it's not Blue Oyster Cult. Um, it's it's something funky, but it's a great version <laughs> of that song. Um, it's gonna kill me right now. Yeah, that's what I'm. <laughs> yeah, we're looking it up. <laughs> oh, I got Don't fear the Reaper was there. Yep, but... that showed that showed up at the very end in the end credits. Yeah. But he's in the he's in the car with her. Yeah. The actually only song that it lists from the soundtrack is "Don't Fear the Reaper." Yeah, performed by performed the by the Muttonbirds. Mutt <laughs> is who performed it? Yep. Um, all the rest of the music doesn't show that it's a famous song on Wikipedia. Yeah, it looks like a lot of score stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the Muttonbirds are New Zealand alt rock man. Yeah, never <laughs> never heard of them before. Uh but that's a very that's a very 90s band name. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was a version of Don't Fear the Reaper during that part? No. Like when you said it the only thing went through my head was Don't Fear the Reaper, but I didn't yeah. think that was <laughs> Well, playing. that's when they play oh. at the end. Yeah, yeah, in the end credits. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to look up uh, what that is. But yeah, I mean this this car scene, uh, like this car showdown with Lucy and uh, and Jeffrey Combs is just insane. And then he has the reveal of his uh, all of the scars that he's got on him. Yeah, from all <laughs> the cults. Yeah, when he's got the "My body is a roadmap of pain" line. <laughs> oh yeah when he gets out and he pulls his shirt open and he's all scarred up and everything yep my body is a roadmap of pain, of pain. <laughs> um but yeah then we get you know basically the final showdown in uh in the asylum and like jeffrey combs death is so satisfying <laughs> it's it's like you michael it j is. fox is like you asshole he's like yes i am I am an asshole. <laughs> and he's like, I don't want to yeah, shoot you in. The, I don't want to shoot you in the back. Turn around. And then Michael J. Fox turns around and ducks and Lucy shoots him in the head and his ghost head is just shocked. Oh, yeah. His head just completely explodes. <laughs> yep. And then, I mean, we've got, you know, basically the final showdown with with Johnny and and Patricia once she becomes a more active character and she's killed her mom. 
um and love the way it resolves with michael j fox being a, a ghost and ripping her spirit out of her to entice yeah. johnny to come to heaven to get her <laughs> and then it's just like oops wrong portal you're getting sucked into hell and tentacles are going to go through your face yep it's just like cgi or not that is unsettling that it goes through johnny's eyeballs and shit in the mouth out the mouth oh mm-hmm. yeah when they're going to hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then uh yeah so uh i mean michael j fox is you know back with his ghost friends and his wife and they tell oh they do reveal that uh johnny and patricia are the ones that that killed uh um frank's the wife boy. yeah um i keep wanting to say marty mcfly's wife and that's not <laughs> the case at all <laughs> um no jennifer isn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh i mean and then you know he's told to go be happy and and move on and he's gonna start a life with uh lucy yep and then uh, it has then it has uh one of my favorite reveals all at the end where the sheriff yes. comes out while they're having a picnic and the house is getting torn down and <laughs> And ask him about writing a book. And he's like, oh, no. Uh, he goes, your guardian angel can do it. And then the sheriff, Haha, I don't see anything. And then the cop car pulls off. And then Lucy gets up and goes, boy, that Dahmer sure did look pissed. Because that's who Michael, <laughs> who Bannister Frank saw in the back seat. And then he looks at her all shocked. And, he goes, and then she quotes him and says, well, sometimes after traumatic experiences, you can just see things. And yep. I, I think that's a fun reveal that they both can see ghosts now. So Yeah, that was that was cool. Um, and they, you know, they did leave it open for like a sequel if they, you know, if the movie did well enough, but it is kind of perfect that it just ends on, yeah. you know, where it is. And then, it you know, there's the story. It didn't need yeah. to go anymore. But... No, it's perfect. And, uh, you know, always love an appearance by Don't Fear the Reaper because it's one of the greatest <laughs> songs on the face of the earth. Yep. Hey, uh, Jason, your microphone's off, by the way. I'm sorry. I was trying to figure out what that song was. Oh, oh I got you. But I mean, um, I mean, that's that's the Frighteners, man. And like, Michael, I wanted to throw I this mean, question to you earlier before we do the before we do the wrap ups. But I'm going to throw it here. So like what what it is, what is it about this movie that that drew you to it as your pick? And what what is it about? Because you said it had been like six to eight months since you'd seen it, which yeah. you know, I read as you watched it, you know, several times, as has Jason. So what it. What is it for you about this movie that that keeps you coming back to it? Um, I think because of a mix of just it has the right formula to me. It has the right mix of horror, comedy, good acting, good writing, good directing, good effects for the time that it came out. And it just it's it's just a culmination of just it just got that perfect mix to me and just like I saw it in 97 or so like that and i thought it was amazing like i saw it when it came out on video uh not i didn't see it at the theater um uh because that was right before i was i was when this came out i was like 17 and like that and i don't know that i I wasn't seeing a ton of stuff at the movies at the time but i i know i saw it when it came out and uh and then i started working at blockbuster and i would randomly read it occasionally and stuff just because i just thoroughly enjoyed it it was just a fun watch and I think part of it is also it's one that a lot of people haven't seen that yeah. I'm surprised by people who love horror <laughs> who happen to not have seen it. Now, granted, you're younger, but yeah. still, it's it's one of those things. It's just it's one of those out there that people are always like, oh, are they looking for a movie? Just like, well, have you seen like I'm looking for something that's funny and scary. I'm like, seen the Frighteners? What's the yeah. Frighteners? I'm like, 
I got a movie for you then. And uh, it was just one that I did that. And then I also, that was one that I would recommend a lot of customers when I started working at uh, Blockbuster in 98. Uh, for those years when they'd want something like that i'd be like have you seen the frighteners no what's the frighteners <laughs> and that's what i'd recommend so it's just always been on my list and that's why when i when you said hey pick a movie and i and i went through what you guys have done already because there were some others i thought about descent because i knew mm-hmm. you hadn't watched it from listening to smallwood's uh uh episode with you guys yep and then i was like no let's pick out something that i thoroughly love and and that's and then I was like, let's see if they haven't seen that, and so that's why I picked the Frighteners. It's just, it just, it's a movie that I just can watch over and over again. It's just it's super a good fun. Choice. And it and... checks all the boxes that I want in that type of movie. So, <laughs> yep, it's a good choice. And like, oh, oh, uh, Jason, I was gonna tell you the other movie that this gave me similar vibes of, and this is another movie that I absolutely love, was uh, Odd Thomas. Oh yeah, a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this gave this gave me a lot of uh, Anton Yelchin, you know, palling around with ghosts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually, I actually need to watch Odd Thomas again. I think I've only seen it once, mm-hmm. but I know that I loved it um, and love Anton. Um, yeah. Rest in peace, R.I.P. Buddy. Yeah, yeah. even yeah, from was... even from the Star Trek stuff, you know. To you know everything that he's done, like I've always really enjoyed him. Um, so yeah, I I do need to watch Odd Thomas again, um, because I remember enjoying it, but I've only seen it once. Yeah, yeah it's a good it's a good time. Anton movies that uh, making sure that I'm also not doing it, <laughs> getting it mixed up with something else. Um, oh, you want to hear something funny? Because it ties in with Anton Yelton. Uh, did you guys ever uh, see Charlie Bartlett? Sorry, it just ties in name-wise with uh, Frighteners. <laughs> no, uh, never they, seen that. I have not. No, um, my first movie that I remember seeing Anton Yelton in was 2006 Alpha Dog. Oh, okay. Uh, he, phenomenal performance in that. Ben Foster's in it, who's insanely scary. But it was also yes. Justin Timberlake's first movie as an actor, I think. <laughs> he was good in oh, it. I okay. mean, he's yeah. a decent actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, Anton Yelton, that's that's the very first thing I remember. Before that, it was a bunch of one-stops on TV shows. Sure. Uh, and stuff when he was younger, even younger. But uh, yeah, Alpha Dog was the first time I did that, and I was like, oh, this is an actor I oh, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Alpha Dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, again, I saw that in the theater in 2006. That was when I was going Absolutely. to the theater. To watch everything. Actually, a surprisingly good movie. Yeah, very, <laughs> I, I enjoy it thoroughly. I think I own it on DVD downstairs. That's awesome. Um, well, I actually... Uh, I just watched, uh, or not just watched, but rewatched like um, in time. Oh yeah, that was a good one too. Yeah, <laughs> and that yeah, that was a good one too. And I I was surprised, you know, that Justin Timberlake <laughs> could actually act. <laughs> he was funny. Justin Timberlake, he does a lot of very funny things too. Like he did all the, the a lot of the shorts with Saturday Night Live and stuff. He doesn't care if he gets embarrassed, embarrassed himself, and that's what can make a good actor is you don't you're not going to get embarrassed doing something stupid or silly. Yeah, <laughs> and acting has a lot of that in it. So, yeah, but, like, that's but why in time is in time is actually very entertaining. Yeah, for sure. I I'm think not I saying it's like either. I'm not saying it's like the best movie on the planet or anything right. like that, but it's I, it's entertaining. I wasn't I wasn't mad that I paid for it at the theater, but it wasn't good enough for me to buy. That's where that's <laughs> yeah. where I rated. That's it. That's a good that's a good gauge. Yeah, it, yeah. it was it was like oh I, I'm not mad that I paid to see this like with Battlefield Earth 
or Boogeyman <laughs> or a couple of those other ones that I saw paid and saw at the theater. Are but... you talking about, are you talking about Boogeyman from like 2005? Yes. Oh dude, my All right. So I am defenders of those movies, but that first Boogeyman is easily the worst, but 2 and 3 are so over the top and so much fun. And I've never watched the second and third one, but I went to the theater with a new with a rec- new girlfriend. We've been <laughs> dating a week and it was me and her and two other couples, not together, at different points in the movie. <laughs> and we were all, la- like, it got to the point where we were Mystery Science Theater 3000 the movie. <laughs> so, like, that part of it was great. Because we were, I was making, people were laughing. We were having yep. a ball. But the movie was bad. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a bad movie. I won't I won't go as far as say it's a good movie. But I I enjoy those Boogeyman movies. They're, they're stupid as hell, but they're so much fun. <laughs> Don't wrong. I have a lot of stuff that I just enjoy thoroughly that aren't great oh, yeah. movies. But that was just that was one that I was like, oh, I, I could have. That's understandable. Bear, like, bear, I think... bear in mind, I was like middle school when I saw that, so to me, that was like super scary. Yeah, maybe maybe high school, something like that. Well, um, trust. I love quite a few terrible movies um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that that I just enjoy because they're so terrible. So yeah, you gotta have some of those in your in your uh, in your film collection. Yeah, I, I was trying to see if I could find real fast. The, the the other thing that I think made me mad is because there were two movies we were choosing from, and she was like, "Let's go see Boogeyman." I was like, "All right." Oof. <laughs> and so it was just one of those it was one of those and i think the other thing was something that was really good but i don't remember what was in the theater at the same time yeah it's a boogie so. <laughs> boogeyman is just it's a mediocre monster movie from the 2000s yeah. Yeah. uh but the sequel they decided to go the slasher route where the boogeyman's oh, okay. at a hot at a mental hospital and killing people that way uh sure. and then three he's at a college campus <laughs> but they could never decide what they wanted the boogeyman to look like. So each movie, it looks completely different. Yeah. Um, and then they did another yeah. boogie. They did another boogeyman movie this year, which was not tied to that. It was the, uh, uh, yeah. it was the Stephen King adaptation. Yeah. Which was actually pretty decent. I, I enjoyed that one. So if you get around to watching that, it, it's a good little monster movie. Nice. Yeah. Um, but Jason, as we sort of start to bring it home here, I want to throw it to you real quick. Uh, you know, this is my first watch of the Frighteners. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's funny. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and just something we don't see anymore, which is just something lighthearted that's for adults, but also has that that nostalgia feeling to it. Um, so Michael, thank you for the awesome pick. And uh, you know, Jason, what what's your final thoughts on the Frighteners? Well, again, um, you know, kind of like I said earlier, um, you know, I kind of grew up with this one. And it's it's got like kind of this place in my heart uh, because it, my aunt and I would <laughs> we always like sleeping on the couch. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like when I would go to her house, when it was just, you know, myself and her hanging out, you know, we would just, you know, hang out and we would be sitting and talking and having some drinks or whatever and we would always turn on the frighteners and um <laughs> love every second of it and you know fall asleep on the couch uh you know watching this movie and i i think it's a i think it's a great movie and 
again, I would I would liken it to Ghostbusters because I think it's funny. I think it's got some scary parts to it. I think it's like over the top. Yeah. Uh, there's some great actors in there, and it's just it it's just it's just a great movie. You know, from a great director. I love Peter Jackson. Um, and you know, it's a movie that I that I will watch fifty times over. I've seen it <laughs> a million times, and you know, I sat and watched it again tonight and still loved it. Um, oh yeah. So it's I I think it's a great movie. Um, some people won't appreciate it for whatever reason, but <laughs> I love it, and um, you know. I hope yeah. our listeners love it. If nobody's seen it, I hope they love and it. I think it's just, I think it's just a cool movie. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. And there's a chance that people listening out there have not seen it, so go check it out. It's worth your time, absolutely. Um, so, Michael, thank you for this awesome pick. Uh, you know, and for coming on the show, we've had a blast, and we definitely want to do it again sometime soon. But real quick before we sign off, I want to. I want to throw it to you because I know that you mentioned on the show um, and we've talked, you know, off the air that that you're a filmmaker and you've got your hands in a lot of movies, you know, past and present now. Um, So let's let's talk a little bit about that. I wanted to ask you uh, because you've got, you know, a wide catalog of of films, you know, under your belt and you've got more coming. So, like, what what inspired you to get into filmmaking and who are some of your favorite filmmakers? Um. Uh, let's see. Uh, what inspired me is I've always loved movies. Like I worked at Blockbuster. I like I've just always loved them uh, as far back as I can remember. And but uh, I never thought about actually making movies. It just at the time it was like, oh, in my brain, you needed millions of dollars to make movies. And then a friend of ours' mom was taking a film class up at Trident Tech, and there was a professor that was making his own movie, and um, uh, they they he my friend's mom called him and was like hey we need some extras to come out to be zombies in this movie do you and your friends want to come out and we were all like yeah let's let's go do this and that's when i met uh john barnhart uh john barnhart somebody oh, i think in all of my movies son um and uh, i love barnhart i'm Barnhart's friends great. with barnhart yeah um and Emmy award winning. I've done assistant camera to him on stuff on shoots before. Like he's a fantastic dude. He's very supportive. Like I said, I fantastic. thank him for all my films. Um, yes, he is. But but his movie, The Man Who Shot God, was he was filming, and I went in. Me and my friend, one of my good friends, Russell, and uh, our friend Thomas, and stuff like that. We a hundred percent. We went out over the course of like four months on weekends here and there, and just played different zombies. And they weren't like traditional zombies. We were, the premise of the movie was the rapture happens and takes up all the God believers. And then the devil's left to just have his fun with everybody else. (laughs) And there are some people who had lost faith who didn't get taken, but they lost faith for good reasons. Like cancer killed his wife and didn't think that that's where he lost faith in God and stuff. And it's not like a preachy movie at all, even though a whole bunch of churches locally were trying to boycott it without even knowing what it's about. And, uh, but like we were, we basically, we just had like sunken eyes and were dirty. We weren't like trying to eat brains. We were trying to capture the good guys for the guy playing a demon. 
And so we could get killed over and over and over again. And I got killed about 10 different ways in that movie, which was awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, so that's, that's what got me to start. And when the, my first day on set, I'm like, I, I want to do this. And Barnhart gave me some advice. And he was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, now that I've been here, I, I want to make movies. He's like, first, first thing to be a filmmaker, make a movie. It's going to suck, but you've made a movie. That's more than a ton of people can say. Then make another movie. It's still going to suck, but you're going to get better and better and better each time. Cause I was like, yeah, I can't afford to go to school, which a lot of the people that were on his thing were students at Trident tech at the time. And, uh, and so that's what I've done. I kept making movies and then learned. And it got to the point where a lot of other students are trying it. We're like, oh, you were in that class with Frost with me, right? And I was like, oh, no, man, I actually didn't go to Trident. They're like, what? You've been on all these. We know you, you were tried it. And I was like, no, never went. <laughs> I've been up there for film things and to shoot there, but I've never actually gone to school here. <laughs> and uh, and that's what got me on my path. So and then just been making movies and, uh, you know, trying to make Barnhart proud. Um, that's <laughs> That's cool, man. Uh, Barnhart's a really good guy. Yep. Um, I, I actually did go to Trident, and um, my first day in Barnhart's class, he was like, man, if you are going to make good films, you need to watch good films. And so I'm going to show you one of the best films. And the first thing he put on for me was The Road Warrior. Yep, I was gonna um, say which which Mad Max movie did he throw on? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was always a huge fan of the Road Warrior even before that. Yeah, um, but the fact that he put that on um, was I was just like I was just blown away. Yeah, yeah we, we've, the, we've talked about it many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Barn Barnhart's a good guy, um, and he was he was good friends with my brother, and um, he's done some great shorts and. He's just a great dude, um, yeah, and he's a great filmmaker. Sure. Yeah, for sure. He's got a feature that he just did a documentary on Colorado um, that he's that he's just working on. It's uh, about a uh, awesome person out there. Um, I don't know the full details of names right now, so I don't have to look it up. But uh, yeah, great dude. But yeah, he's he's one of the reasons why I got into this. Um, the other my my which leads into the other part of that question. Um, one of the other re like per people that did that that I don't know that I would love to is uh, one of my favorite filmmakers is Kevin Smith. Um, I'm a huge, <laughs> Hell yeah. huge Kevin Smith fan. I've seen him in person multiple times. Um, I've, I've talked to Brian O'Halloran in person and Jason Muse. Um, uh, but like I have on this wall behind the monitors, all there's a bunch of Kevin Smith and signed stuff over here. There is a lunch sign lunchbox back over there somewhere. Um, but uh like he's just, a, he was a huge influence on like, I had just started working in a video store and heard about clerks and watched that. And then that was right before I got into making movies. And I was like, that's a cool story. Then watch small rats, then chasing Amy and then got invited to a set. And I was like, Oh, I, I, I can try to do this. I can make a movie. And uh, like, I haven't made my feature yet working on it, but uh, uh, like, and he just started with a feature, but yeah. So Kevin Smith. And then we've got people like, um, I'm a huge Nolan fan. Um, yeah. He used to be more of a Tarantino fan, but that's kind of waned a little. Um, I wouldn't say he's like an inspiration for anything, but uh, I did love a lot of his movies as I was growing up and whatnot. Uh, no, but I was, I was a big Kevin Smith fan, or, and I am still. Yeah. Not to say that I'm not anymore, um, but I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Um, you know, 
and especially with him, you know, I mean, he's, he's not a super rich guy. I mean, he's, he, he's well off. He's got enough money. Like, he's well off. Yeah. He's well off, but he's not, he's not this super billionaire or anything. No. Well, um, most but, filmmakers aren't super billionaires, yeah. really. Like, <laughs> right, like, right. Yeah. But he, but he, the fact that he doesn't rely on studios, and that's kind of one of the things that I like about Rob Zombie as well, is yeah. that Zombie and Smith, like, they're not hugely reliant on studios. Yeah. They're going to take their own money and put it into a film that they believe in. Yeah. And... I, I love that like kind of indie filmmaking vibe. Yeah. Like I love that stuff. Um yeah. so you know, and and again, huge Smith fan. I like it, the first time I saw Clerks, uh I didn't even know what to do with myself. Um <laughs> yeah. and then seeing Mall Rats, like I was cracking up the whole time. Yeah. Um and I and I still watch Mall Rats all the time. And you know, even some of his, even some of his other stuff that people didn't really like, like, like Tusk, and <laughs> stuff like that. I I think I like Tusk, Tusk is amazing. Same. Did you guys watch Red State? Oh, I love Red State, man. Red State's great. Red State is so good. I keep telling, I keep telling Bucky he needs to watch Red State. I do need to watch would... Red State. The only Kevin Smith movie that I can think of that Jason didn't recommend was, uh, um was yoga, yoga hosers, hosers. yoga yeah. hosers i it's one of those things i'm not gonna watch it again i watched it i laughed at parts it was made for his daughter like sure. like it, you know yeah. and, I, and i understand where he was at and did that with him i mean he's shown that uh you know clerks three is phenomenal and you know i saw yes, it here it Charles, he, whenever he makes the new movie he brings it here and mm -hmm. he's here with it yeah like i've been to the music hall for uh, Clerks uh, three and reboot James Bob reboot. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and saw him here, and so like you know, and I, I also saw him in person up in Greenville when he was doing just one of his talking gigs way back in probably like twenty thirteen or something like that. Twenty. Well, I was, I was actually really impressed with Clerks three. Oh yeah. Like I, I did not expect it to be like an emotional film. Yeah. But like at the end of that, man, like I was like I was tearing up. I was oh, yeah. like, man, <laughs> this thing is good. Like because that's that's not really what you kind of expect from a Kevin Smith film yeah. for the most part. Um, but after after his heart attack and everything like that, I think he can just kind of. Um, well, people do grow is grow as filmmakers and their art and stuff like that. One of one of my favorite TV showrunners who is just amazing at that is Bill Lawrence. And Bill Lawrence, he's the creator of Scrubs and did it was a showrunner and helped start Ted Lasso and um the new one Shrinking. Okay. He is phenomenal at making you fucking laugh and then two seconds later making you cry. And just like he knows how to fuck those emotions back and forth <laughs> and and it's 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 great like scrubs is one of my favorite tv shows and like but there are episodes of that you'll be like <laughs> why am i crying now like it's <laughs> it, it's just he does that but ted lasso has moments like that in there i mean he's not the only one writing but he's show running so he's he's in control of all of that and then shrinking was a new one which 
Um, Jason, if you like Star Wars, like you say, um, Harrison Ford is phenomenal in Shrinking. It's uh, Jason Segel, Harrison Ford. Um, it, it's uh, Krista Miller, which is Bill Lawrence's wife in real life. Um, and uh, something we mentioned earlier, uh, Married with Children, uh, was uh, which, uh, by the way, I did have that wrong. Griff was the character, and it's a different actor uh, named Harold Sylvester. Uh, but uh, yeah. uh, but uh, uh, Ted McGinley plays Krista Miller's husband oh. in Shrinking, and he is... He's an assassin, is what they call him. He doesn't have tons of stuff, but when he's on, on on screen, he'll come in one time and just say a joke or say something that's really fucking funny, and then go away. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just, but uh, yeah, no, but that type of thing, being able to go from comedy to drama and just float back and forth in there is something that's good. And Kevin Smith finally got got that with reboot at the end of reboot with uh, Ben Affleck's thing. Reboot did yeah. that. And then yeah. Clerks Three obviously did that as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I like, uh, you know, I'm the same way with like TV shows. Like, I'm I'm a really big fan of Damon Lindelof um, and JJ Abrams. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people are not. Um, I'm a fan of JJ. I I just think that everything Bad Robot touches is great like lost is like my favorite show of all time i just every time jason brings up lost uh michael are pretty much our best friends in the podcast community uh marcus and luke from reviewed to death they marcus hates lost <laughs> and uh he and jason have this back and forth in our group chat where all they do is it's bitch with each other about like their thoughts on Lost. here's the thing i didn't get into lost right away Here's where I've watched The Lost. I've seen episode one, episode two, and the last episode of the series. No, uh, right. you missed everything. No, no, I've seen Lost. <laughs> no, no, you missed everything. No, that, here's the thing. I did not like, I, I mean, I know about the stuff in between to an extent. What 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 happened at the end of Lost? Nothing. <laughs> no, 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 no. What was... <laughs> That was that was like we don't know how to end this show is the way I felt with it. No, and so like, I just I... never, I, I, I just never got it. So I'm, I'm sorry, Jason. I'm gonna have to go with the other guys. On, on this did, one. Whoa, we agree on most things, wait, but wait, I just wait, 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 wait. Marcus is how did it end? A, hold on, Marcus is gonna have a field day with this episode, Jason. What was it, what was what was the end? It's been, it's been about ten or twelve years since <laughs> I've seen that, but from what I remember, it was basically like, oh, it was all either just a dream or it didn't really happen. Nope. Fuck you. All right. We're done. <laughs> like I said, it's been a while. Like, I watched apparently that last nobody, episode. Apparently, yeah. other than myself, nobody's ever watched the show. But I love you. It's okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, uh, Michael, I, I think you're doing some great things with your movies. You know, I got introduced to your filmmaking as we were prepping for this. And uh, yep. the first one I watched was was Killer Assistant, which was... That's the one uh, that I thought you would like the most, so... Yep. Uh, Jason, just for some context, Killer Assistant is about literally assistants to the famous slasher killers. So, like, it's characters that are playing assistants to Ghostface and Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers and all that stuff. Okay. And it That's is cool. so clever and so funny with so many cool horror nods in it um, that I highly recommend our listeners go check that out as well as Michael's other works. Um, so, Michael, where... Very cool. 
where can everybody find your films that are out already and what can we look forward to with the feature film um where we um there is they're in a mix of places uh lake moultrie massacre is actually on amazon prime that was one of my first ones that i got real big on the festival circuit and that is a i don't want to spoil it but lake moultrie massacre is i decided to do what if the people make the right decision in a horror movie <laughs> so it starts okay. off and it sets the lore of this killer of a uh, lake moultrie uh, uh killer that's at lake moultrie and stuff like that and then it cuts forward 10 years and it's about this people going to visit the, their family's property on the lake and people are like i've heard there's killers out there and they're like no we're gonna go the guys will protect you and they get going and then right before they get there an old crazy guy comes out and warns them about the killer at the lake and they turn around and go home <laughs> that is the, that yes. is the premise for for that one and that's on amazon prime um, and then uh, one of my recent ones called On the Road Again, which was an under five minute short, is on um, Michelle Iantuano's Octopunk Media. Uh, their YouTube page has that one right now. Um, some of my older things are on turnafrasefilms.com. Um, my most recent ghost note um, is just finished the festival circuit. I'm waiting to see if it gets some sort of distribution with um, like Lake Show World G Massacre was also on, on Shorts TV, on Direct TV. It got to deal through them. Um, uh, and then, uh, killer assistant is going to be going somewhere, but I don't remember. I think I've got it on my Vimeo page, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that I've, I, I think that's it. where, I think that's where I watched it was but on sometimes Vimeo. I've got them as private where I, you can only watch them with a link. Um, oh, okay. I gotcha. But, but I think Michelle with Octopunk media is getting ready to do kind of a thing where they need more content. So I oh, think cool. some of them are going to go through her stuff. Uh, but, and then like I said, ghost notes, my most recent one. Um, and, uh, I'm waiting to see, cause it, some festivals when they play there, um, shorts TV and another one of those, uh, sometimes shutter and stuff will see them and then offer deals for them to be played on their channels. So it's like, I like, like, I can't just like, Oh, I'm going to put it on YouTube for sure. people to watch. And, uh, uh, but you know, it just depends. And if it gets to something where I don't get something in the next six months or so, I'll probably just release it like that and uh, get out there. Um, now the feature that I'm working on, we're just finishing it. It's an idea. It's never been done before. I wanted to do something crazy and it's going to be super difficult for my first feature film, but this is also the title, but it's a uh, zombie Western musical. And it is <laughs> okay. going to be fully all three of those things. Uh, that's awesome the script is the script is finished minus the lyrics to the songs which i'm working with somebody else on right now we just yesterday sent it out to a few people for feedback but it's took, taken us two years to write it um my buddy tim trumner who's an amazing filmmaker who lives in chicago uh he uh he's my co-writer with it i had the idea for i've had that idea for just that premise for like 15 years and then finally, when the pandemic started, I was like, Tim, you want to write a movie together? And he's like, yeah. So we 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 started brainstorming and figuring it out like that. And then over the last two years, wrote it. And it came out, it's a little long, but we're, that's what we're trying to win some feedback on. We're at a 128 pages, which is a little over two <laughs> hours, which is a little long. But it's going to be set in 1870s. It's going to be full Western full musical there's going to be six <laughs> songs uh and one big dance number two dance numbers with it and then there's fucking zombies 
I and, love it. Uh, nice, so that's, man. That's, 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 that's the next project. I'm hoping to we get it fully set in stone. We're going to try to shoot the first five minutes, which is how I'm going to put myself in my own feature. It takes place away from everything else, so I don't need the Western town for it. I just need a campfire <laughs> at night, which I've got some land out amongst the corner of my family has that I can do that and just in costume. And I'll be first five minutes, and then we're going to do shoot that as a proof of concept and then try to raise the money to shoot the feature. But if I'm guessing, it's probably going to be 2025 before we get to start shooting. Sure. But but that's that's my next that's my next goal is to get that shot and done and uh but oh, yeah, yeah man. very cool man excited about it well we are excited for it um and then the last thing i wanted to throw your way just real quick uh plug i know that you're uh looking at submissions for atomicon film festival so where can people find that because i know we got some filmmakers that yeah, that listen um, to the show film freeway atomicon it's uh stands for all types of media arts convention so atoma con and on film freeway we're we're a gold pass member of film freeway so you get a discount if you get the gold pass uh we're still at one of the earlier deadlines right now i think our final deadline is going to be march of next year so you still got time to get it in for the cheaper prices and we take uh this year we started accepting features so we're going to try to throw a few features in there um so short films features and we take we're a genre festival we, we and we also do fan films so we, we're looking out for like, I know we've gotten with you guys probably interested in, we've got a Resident Evil fan film submitted already this year. Hell yeah. And, nice. and stuff like that. We've, we've had in the past, last year we only had two, but the year before we had, I think like, I had to have two separate Star Wars fan film blocks. And there Holy were some shit. amazing <laughs> Star Wars fan films. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, last year we didn't have a lot submitted, but uh, you know, that just depends on the cycle. Uh, but uh, yeah, we fan films. We 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 always have a good horror block. Last year, and it looks like this year, I'm already building enough to have a good animation block. And there's some good, good animation. Good animation is hard to find in short films and indie films, uh, especially because it's not easy to do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but you know, sci-fi, horror. We'll even have a comedy in there. We just we like all the genres, and uh, and uh, we would love to see more movies and do that. Uh, Atomicon is. Uh, going to be may 4th and 5th uh next year here in charleston uh we're moving to a brand new location over at trident tech uh over here in north charleston and it's uh gonna be fun if if you, if you want to at least come see some movies you can get your passes <laughs> now for cheap and uh come out and at least watch and then we have we're gonna have a whole bunch of other stuff your friends of y'all show uh the uh charleston absent friends are going to be doing a um princess bride shadow cast that's right can't and, wait for uh, that and we've got a cosplay contest we've got big vendor room and then we have a bunch of fun panels with different authors and filmmakers and and then we have a paranormal track and then uh, one of my good friends is uh running D out there which he does one shots for people that'll take an hour or two and uh you know you can come out and do that and we're we're, we're building it up even bigger this year so we're looking forward to everybody coming out yeah it's gonna be a blast so everybody go Spring check time. out uh michael's films go check out atomicon get yourself tickets because it's gonna be a blast uh, I had a total blast there this past May and I got to do a couple panels there and it was absolutely amazing. So thank you to Michael and company for having me. So check out Atomicon, check out Michael's films. Michael, it has been a total blast having you on. We appreciate you. Hopefully we'll do it again sometime soon. Sounds good. Had a blast. Awesome, man. Yeah, man. Good movie pick. <laughs> absolutely. Well, that's it for the Midnight Terrors podcast, everybody. So get in touch with us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram under Midnight Terrors podcast. 
shoot us an email at midnightterrorspodcast at gmail.com with movie picks or show topic discussion suggestions, anything you want us to see. And, um, you know, get your tickets for SC Horror Convention in Columbia, South Carolina, because we're making our appearance there. I just got the buttons in today uh, with our little logo on it. So we're going to have some fun items there. We're going to be hanging out. I've actually been reading the Crow graphic novel uh, for the first time in anticipation of meeting James Obar there. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be a party. And then, uh, Jason, how do you feel about doing this shit live in front of an audience? Um, I I think it would be great to do a live show. Hell yeah, man. Well, uh, as we're recording this, I just locked in a date and time for our first live event. You'll probably see a post before this episode goes live with all the details on it uh of when that's don't gonna give be it a, so, don't don't give it away leave a little mystery <laughs> i'm not giving it away but they're gonna see it on the on the post before the probably before the episode goes live because we'll have the announcement so if you missed it and you're just just tuning into this maybe head on over to our socials and uh see what we got for you in terms of maybe a live event with midnight terrors who knows but uh <laughs> everybody thank you for listening michael thank you for joining us jason thank what's you. the show called buddy it's called the Midnight Terrace Podcast. Yes, it is. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We love you all. We'll see you again soon. Peace. Peace.